You're listening to Legal Skinny Podcast with Trisha Burita. I'm a 15-year licensed practicing attorney in the state of Texas. I created Legal Skinny because when I've been invited to do educational seminars on different subjects in employment law, employers and HR professionals would often ask me, where can they find out a little more information on this or a little more information on that? Look, I get it. There's a lot of resources out there, but sometimes it's confusing and people are so busy. Sometimes people have only 30 or 15 or maybe even five minutes in their day to devote to learning something new. On this podcast, you'll hear me have discussions and interviews on topics relevant to employers. Disclaimer though, Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and doesn't create an attorney-client relationship. Also remember, laws change or they differ by jurisdiction, so this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Legal Skinny Podcast. So do you miss traveling? And no, I'm not talking about you ditching the sweatpants to put on real clothes to go shopping at Target. I'm talking about real travel, pre-COVID travel, for business or vacay. I personally love traveling. You know, travel before all of this, when you could show up in a city and just get like lost in the vibe and culture, like wandering around. So let me take you back, all the way back, to New Year's Eve, December 31st, 2019. Uh, Say we're spending New Year's Eve together and I ask you, where were your travels going to take you next? What would you have said? Maybe cocktails at the Soho Grand in New York? Uh, Bib and barbecue uh, shrimp and Nola? Hiking the Colorado mountains? San Fran's clam chowder and sourdough on the bay? Maybe you're thinking before all this you had plans to ride in a gondola in Venice. Or have high tea at Fordham and Mason in London. Take a cooking class in Thailand. Go swimming in the Great Barrier Reef. Or climb the Great Wall of China. Maybe even try an African safari. Or take that super long flight to the warm sands and clear water of Fiji. I mean, I've never been to Fiji, but if I could go there, like right now, um, you know, one of those like fancy little cabanas over the water with the hole in the floor. So uh, I think there's glass over it so we can see the fishes. Um, That all sounds pretty good right about now. So now that I've got you all dreaming somewhere over the rainbow with me, uh, let's get back to reality. Uh, The hard truth is in 2020, the U.S. and the world put up boundaries and made rules about travel that are not all dismantled now, even though we have a vaccine. In fact, much of the world is bruised, battered, still fighting this disease possibly. Their rules and borders, you know, it's been a part of this process to recover and control their environment. And these rules have not just been about the getting there, but the what it looks like when you get there kind of rules. And there's a quiet or depending on whether you've been following this noisy uh, debate going on about what travel should look like in this post-COVID or attempting to be post-COVID world. So as far as business or vacation travel, I mean, what are the obstacles you could face when traveling yourself or that your team could face when they're traveling? This leads me to the 
whole vaccine passport thing, which is a very interesting debate to me. International laws, state laws, privacy concerns, safety and health arguments, how far is too far? First off, there's no one universal vaccine passport, no gold standard, if you will. And I don't know from what it looks like, there's there's not gonna be one, or at least anytime soon. Uh, There's a too many cooks in the kitchen in this world for all of that. But the vaccine passport concept, let me just kind of break it down for you um, if you're not familiar with it. Um, it's been given different names, but, you know, it's the idea that there's this, some electronic or physical record of a person's like COVID-19 status containing, um, for instance, your vaccination date, uh, the type of vaccine maybe you got or the location you got it in. Um, possibly including your medical or religious exemptions if you have one for vaccination eligibility. Um, and maybe, you know, test results if you don't have the vaccine proving that you don't have COVID. And, you know, it's really all about access, uh, access across borders, access into businesses, access into states, access into different countries, you know, all of those kinds of things is sort of what is propelling this. So let's just talk a little bit about what's emerging, you know, surrounding this issue. And I think a good place to start is uh, New York's Excelsior Pass. So New York has developed their own digital method that allows you to store and share proof of the vaccine. To get this Excelsior Pass, you go to one of one of the state's government websites. So specifically, it's uh, www.epass.ny.gov. But the, the basic way it works is that you give some basic personal information, including your first and last name, date of birth, and zip code. And your pass is generated based on data available in state immunization and COVID-19 testing databases. Now, uh, it, it notes, I went and investigated this on the site. I was reading all the things on there <laughs> so I could talk to you about this. And, um, it notes on there that some entities are, are not under the regulatory authority of the state of New York. They do recognize that. Um, example being federal entities, first nations, and jurisdictions outside of New York State. Um, and that they may not report into these systems that New York has access to, um, which may make your Excelsior Pass unavailable at this time. Um, in that case, they state, if you were tested or fully vaccinated outside the state of New York, you can always show alternative proof of COVID-19 vaccination or negative test results like another mobile application or paper form um, directly to this to a business or venue in New York. If you did not get the vaccine, then you go and, and you can get a COVID-19 PCR test and you'll have an Excelsior pass that is valid until midnight on the third day after your test. Um, Another option mentioned on there is that you can get a COVID-19 antigen test pass and that 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 pass is valid for six hours after your test. Uh, The the vaccine pass on the Excelsior pass on the New York uh, government website there is is valid for 180 days. Then if you you continue to read through what else NERC has about this um, and and further on, there's a quote leading saying, There will be many opportunities to use the uh, Excelsior Pass with more coming soon. Um, And and there's an exclamation mark on there. So whoever wrote this was pretty pumped up about this idea that you're going to be using this Excelsior Pass. And um, it goes on to say, currently several industries are um, currently or expected to require proof of COVID-19 vaccination. 
or negative test results for entry. With the Excelsior Pass, participating businesses and venues can scan and validate your pass to ensure that you meet any COVID-19 vaccination or testing requirements for entry. Along with your pass, you may be asked to show a photo ID that shows your name and date of birth to verify the pass belongs to you, and then adults can hold the passes for accompanying minors. Uh, I guess minors will have passes too. And then once you and your party enter an establishment, you will still be asked to follow other state guidance, which could be social distancing and face covering. Then, then the website goes on to cite to places where you will be using this Excelsior Pass for required passage. And the, um, what was cited there is uh, weddings, catered events, um, major stadiums and arenas, events, uh, event venues, arts and entertainment venues, any other business that decides to participate in the Excelsior, Excelsior Pass. Um, uh, so it was pretty broad as to who I think can participate according to what I'm reading on the website. So um, maybe you're hearing this and you're thinking, yes, yes, I want to know all the things I can know. And I definitely want to know that all the people that are in this state or uh, on this plane with me or in this restaurant with me or that are shopping in this shop with me, they've got the vaccine. And this makes me feel all like warm and fuzzy, this Excelsior Pass, if I'm in New York, right? Um, or maybe your first instinct when you're hearing this is, who the heck's business is this? All this stuff that they that they want. And, um, and why should I have to prove or show this to anybody? And, and certainly, why would I be giving my information about this to um, a third-party app that is government-regulated? <laughs> so two different camps here. And if you're not in New York, before you rush out to get your Excelsior Pass or figure out how... How, how can I require this in my business or with my team? Um, let's check your state and local laws on that because, well, there's, a, there's you know, these two camps and that, that other camp <laughs> that, that is uh, not um, on board with this and is actually is adamantly opposed to this whole idea. Uh, so, you know, basically on the other end of the spectrum, we've got Florida's governor, um, Ron DeSantis issued a, he issued an executive order on April 2nd, 2021. And in that order, he's banning government entities from issuing COVID passports or passes for purposes of publishing an individual's vaccination status and businesses from requiring proof of COVID-19 vaccination or post-transmission recovery to gain access to any facilities or services. Uh, other states are, or some other states are following Florida's lead on this. And uh, to some extent, and, you know, they either made statements about it or they, they're, you know, talking about laws or starting to propose laws. Um, in, in Texas here, <laughs> Governor Abbott, no big surprise he had something to say about all this. So uh, he issued an executive order prohibiting state agencies or political subdivisions in Texas from creating a vaccine passport requirement or otherwise conditioning receipt of services on an individual's COVID-19 vaccination status. Um, the order also prohibits organizations receiving public funds from requiring consumers to provide this documentation of vaccine status to get services. Um, so that's kind of, it's limiting there where to, to state agencies, political subdivisions, and businesses that receive public funds from the state. Specifically, the governor, uh, Governor Abbott said, government should not require any Texan to show proof of vaccination and reveal private health information just to go about their daily lives. And that is why uh, he says, I've issued an executive order that prohibits government mandated vaccine passports in Texas. Uh, 
And we will continue to vaccinate more Texans and protect public health. And we will do so without treading on Texans' personal freedoms because, you know, you know, that's a big deal here. So, <laughs> okay. So on the federal front, so from President Biden's administration, they've indicated they will not be requiring any businesses or Americans to use a, a digital COVID-19 health credential or you know, what, I, what I'm calling it here in this podcast, and many call it this sort of vaccine passport type thing. Um, they are going to be leaving it up to the businesses and the states to make their own decisions. And so, you know, another uh, patchwork quilt type of approach. <laughs> so, um, but other countries, you know, around the world are taking the, uh, they taking the opposite approach of the patchwork quilt type thing. Um, and well, in Europe, if you're an American, and if you want to be sipping coffee at a cafe in Paris, before you take a selfie with the Mona Lisa in the near future, you're likely going to need a vaccine passport to make that a reality. Or a digital green certificate, as they're calling it, uh, to travel in the European Union. Uh, as to how it's been proposed, the digital green certificate, it's a digital or paper record of, of you guessed it, uh, your vaccine status, testing status, and or recovery status. In a similar context, Israel has created a green pass system, which has been implemented nationwide for multiple uses, but similar kind of to what you, you saw in New York's uh, statement about their Excelsior pass, uh, the Israel's green pass would be allowing access to indoor venues or participation in certain activities. Look, you know, private companies across the world are announcing plans to implement a vaccine or COVID type passport. and um. But maybe you're thinking, what is the possible exposure here? Is there is there liability? Is there concerns for this? I mean, at least that's what I'm thinking, right? Of course. Um, yeah, well, let's talk about that. So is there issues surrounding privacy, data collection, and usage? Yeah, I, I think maybe there is. A, there definitely can be. And employees may perceive also that this ex excessive sort of a, a, as an excessive encroachment on their privacy, right? So you've got some cultural issues there about like uh, employees are going to take this, but, you know, similar to the mandate of the vaccine kind of thing. Um, also, have you thought about the issue of biometric data? For example, in Illinois, there's a Illinois Biometric Information Privacy Act. And, and so there's different states across the U.S. that have stuff like this in other, other countries. Um, but it's in this law, it creates a private cause of action for violation of the listed you know, restrictions on companies' use, collection, and storage of biometric data, such as the fingerprint or facial recognition. So are these apps that are being created for the vaccine, of course, which have health information, which may have um, some additional type of tech, right, to protect this health information, does it go into this biometric data where they're using like a fingerprint or facial recognition and to protect the, while well, they're trying to protect the vaccine status, is there a law in your state or your jurisdiction where you're at, um, you know, where all of a sudden, you know, you need to make, be making sure that you're in compliance with that. So that's a whole other can of worms with this. And don't forget that you still have all the same laws surrounding vaccines, such as federal, state, or local anti-discrimination laws, and the, you know, potential accommodations related to all of that. Now, on the other hand, it may become best practices for a business to use vaccine passports or the equivalent. And it could be 
evidence of wanting to provide a safe workplace and actually reduce the liability exposure for the company if an employee or patron, customer, client, or whoever got sick. I mean, maybe even a legal defense. Um, also, what what if it can affect your insurance rates? Like, you know, say, you know, when you're as a company leader, you travel in business or your team does, what, what if what if the insurance companies come out and say, hey, this is the standard we want you to meet. And, you know, if if your people do this, then you get a discount or some type of benefit for using this preferred like passport vaccine passport system. So what's the takeaway here with all of this? A good company leader is always weighing the pros and cons of the next new trend. And the use of the vaccine passport in their business is no different. I think you should consider a couple different things. One, can it give you a competitive edge, like some sort of advantage somehow? Or is it gonna be detrimental to the business? Two, if you as the company leader or your team need to travel, would the jurisdictions you're traveling um, to require this or give benefit to it? And three, you know, really having an understanding of what the laws surrounding privacy and biometric data or other laws, um, you know, as you can see from, from the states that have had executive orders issued, um, what are the laws in your jurisdiction where you're at restricting, you know, this type of vaccine passport for, for a business and are you following them? So you may be thinking, well, this isn't nearly sound as fun as when we at the front of this podcast, you mentioned all the travel stuff. Um, and I, I get it. I mean, I know, I know. All I'm saying is while you're envisioning your toes in the sand, sipping a rum punch in the Caribbean, you may want to consider what other passport may be needed because the vaccine passport is no longer an idea, but is our new travel reality. And that's the legal skinny on vaccine passports. What's all the fuss about? Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Legal Skinny Podcast. Do not forget to subscribe to get future podcast episodes. Also check out LegalSkinny.com to join our newsletter and get details on all the educational resources we offer the employer. Also, disclaimer, remember Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So also remember, this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you.